welcome back to The Scriptures Are Real. I'm your host today for uh, for this this episode, Lamar, and uh, this is co-host and regular host, Carrie. Hey, how are you, Lamar? I'm doing good. It's great to see you again. It's a new year. We got a new set of scriptures to go through. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, this is, this is really great. This is a lot of fun. Uh, I, I really did. I, I had so many great comments on the Old Testament. I had more than more than a few people come up and say how much they appreciated the podcast and, and, and you taking the time to do that uh, and how it had gone from one of their least favorite books of scripture to read to one of their more favorite books to read just because of um, taking the time to really connect with it. You know, so many times we, we shoot through the book and, and the, the, the stories and the, uh, the morals that we get out of it is obviously sticks with people. But when you can kind of connect to somebody, um, and feel a part of that story and feel how that story is, you know, resonates with you. It made a difference to a lot of people. So I really enjoyed taking the time to, to run through and how to make these scriptures real to us and how to, how to fit ourselves into that time frame or that frame time frame into our time. Frame. you know, that's all interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, I, and uh, nothing makes me happier than to hear what you're saying. And uh, I, I agree. I I hope that uh, I feel like, for at least a lot of people we, that happened for the Old Testament. And hopefully it happens again for the New Testament. I, I think people have kind of a different starting point with the New Testament that's more, right. more positive. But hopefully we still can uh, make it deeper, richer, more real for everyone. Well, right. And the Old Testament covers thousands of years. And then yeah. the New Testament covers less than 100 years. And in fact, most of it's probably less than 35 years. Yeah. Well, so, and, and I mean, for the Gospels, which we spend more than half the year on, we're talking about most of it for like three years. So, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. OK, before we jump in, let's just kind of highlight some of the things we're going to talk about. And I'm sure we'll talk about some other things that we don't yet know we're going to talk about. But we're going to talk about um, the beginning of Jesus's ministry, how uh, the temptations, the so-called temptations play into that. We'll, we'll spend some time talking about where that might have happened, what it might have looked like, why he would want to commune, what that has to do with us, uh, and then talking about the temptations and what those have to do with us and and, and uh, what Satan is doing and how the Savior resists. Uh, and then we're going to try and get back to a little bit more geography. We're trying to help you picture how real all of this is. And, and we're going to talk about where he goes from the temptations and what that tells us about him and how it sets the stage for his ministry. And hopefully it all becomes more real for us. So anyway, let's get into that and, and, and talk about this. We're, today we're going to be in Matthew 4. So if you're following along, um, pull up uh, Matthew 4. We're going to talk about. So several things happen in, in four, chapter 4 is compressed, at least in Matthew. It, it, it jumps around quite a bit and has several different themes. And again, they're not trying to do a chronological this happened and this happened. These are in somewhat of a chronological order, it appears. But they're really focusing on the highlights of what Jesus is doing. And he's, we don't know much about his, his formative growing up years. Um, we've got a little bit about him going to the temple with his, uh, with his parents. Um, yeah. But other than that, we don't have a lot of information on that. And then, and now he's about ready to start it. So chapter four is where he gets into his ministry, uh, his ministry uh, proper. And, yeah. uh, and start teaching. So let's start with this. And we're going to start off in, in, uh, in verse 1, in chapter 4, verse 1. And this is going to be, right off the bat, we're going to be up against a, an interesting turn of phrase here. It says in verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So why was the would the Lord do this? Like, let's put him in, let's 
tempt him right now. We're going to put him out there. He's going to go fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and uh, we're going to tempt him. What's your thought on that, Kerry? Well, yeah, I, I, I think the tempting is probably a better trial, but uh, you were mentioning earlier that the Joe Smith translation really cast some light on that. So I don't know if you want to talk about the, the yeah. Joe Smith translation or. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. So um, the Joe Smith translation, in, if, if you're familiar with Joe Smith translation, you'll know that Matthew has big hunks of it that were, that were, uh, that he translated in and, and separated out and, and uh, did some changing on. Um, so the Joe Smith translation of verse one says, then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be with God. So he appears to be, uh, here's that that uh, <laughs> that theme that we have again, the commute to commune, right? So he yeah. commuted into this area. He went out into the into the, an area where he could think and pray and fast and and be. So he's with God, but while that's happening, uh, he is tempted there, which yeah. we see in other parts of the scriptures. We've seen this in, in a lot of different places, right? Where where um, someone is tempting or, or is is fasting and trying to uh, attempting to to talk to God and and Satan pops up hey uh, what about me yeah. you know yeah so Try, trying to interrupt that process right exactly trying to interrupt the process so we might have a little bit different uh take on this one that he is there he's going to there to commune with with God and to be with his father yeah. and then the devil comes tempting him which is part of the experience of being here on earth right so yeah and I think, I think, I mean, we want to not separate this, even though it is in like the different weeks, but we don't want to separate it from the chapter before, which the last thing was he was baptized, right? So right. that's really the sign he's going to embark on his mission. And then it makes sense. And I think there's a lesson we can learn from this, that when he, even Jesus, with whatever close communion he already had with God, when he's about to go do something, he spends some time to draw closer to God and to commune with God, right? And as I'm sitting here saying this, I'm like, wow, I really could work on that more when I need to go help someone with this or I need to do that. I, sh I probably should spend more time trying to commune with God ahead of time rather than just, okay, I've got to run from here to here. Um, Jesus could say, I've got to run for my baptism to Galilee and get this thing going. But instead, he's going to go and and really commune with God. And, and you're right. I think we see two themes interacting here. One is this, as you mentioned, when we want to commune with God and we're about to really come closer to God and start a relationship and start a ministry, Satan wants to interrupt that, whether that's Moses, Joseph Smith, or Jesus or anyone, we see that that's a fairly regular thing, but also this idea of, of getting into the wilderness or away from things to commune with God and that there being a, a trial or something that's difficult. That's part of that, but that that is part of the process of drawing closer to God, overcoming Temptation, trial, something like that is part of coming closer to God. Getting away from things is part of coming closer to God. So uh, all three of those things kind of tie themselves together, and, and hopefully we can emulate Jesus, right? Uh, be like and learn from him and, and uh, incorporate that into our lives a little better. Right. That's a great point. And I think that's true, that, uh, that we need to spend more time and be more intentional, I guess, about, about this. Mm -hmm. I mean, and here's another thing. When he said Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Now, do we know it's actually 40 days or is this sometimes there, we don't really know exactly how long this was. Sometimes the uh, uh, the way ancient people wrote, they wrote in blocks of timeline. We've talked about it here on the podcast before. Like, uh, uh, how old was he? Oh, he's a million years old. Or, uh, you know, I've told you a million yeah. times. Those kind yeah. of things. So sometimes these uh, 40 is one of those like uh, what was I think the Egyptians 
a, a full lifespan, like a, a long, he lived a full life is, is yeah. 110 years. And then right. in Hebrew, it's like 120. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 40 means long time. 40 is one of those. So was it actually 40? It could have been, it could have been exactly 40 days and it could have been just someone saying it's a long time. And by the way, Matthew, who's writing this down, wasn't there. So yeah. where did he get his information? He's probably re reciting it from what Jesus had told him about this happening, right? Because Jesus would have been the only other one that was there to, to say this. So anyway, yeah. so he's, you he's can almost he's, picture Jesus telling them one time, yeah, man, I was out there fasting forever is how we would say it, right? But he <laughs> right. says, I was there fasting 40 days, right? Yeah, you know, right. Uh, and <laughs> so that's how Matthew's going to report it. And he also knows it's not, I mean, it's like me saying it was forever, right? He, yeah. he knows this is a figure of speech. But but could it be 40 days? It could be 40 days. So not to take yeah. away from the scripture and say that, we're just saying it's a long time, whether it's actually 40 days, whatever, but he he's definitely long enough to be and hungry. And he's in this, this wilderness area. Now, I'm going to pull up a map here. And if you're listening, I'm going to just, I'm going to try to describe what's going on here, but just so you can get the idea of the geography of what's happening in, in this area, I'm going to pull this up. And so here is... Here's a map of, of Jerusalem. And by the way, just so you get an idea, and we'll, since we're at the beginning of the year, we'll kind of go over some sizes again. I talked about it at uh, the beginning of last year. But the size of, of Israel is actually quite small. Now, the kingdom of Israel would, would have been a little bit bigger. The borders would have been bigger. But today, not, as not, we much. Run, not much, not much, because we still know the, where they were then when they hit Lebanon and on one side and then the Mediterranean and the other. Um, here's a little map. And if you're not, if you're not watching and you're listening, uh, this is Israel superimposed on Utah, and Utah is 11 times bigger than Israel. So if you were, if the top of uh, of Israel, where like Mount Hebron and all it is, is up near Salt Lake, you know, you're Mount not even Hermon. down. What's that? Mount Hermon. Hermon, I must what I mean. I'm sorry, not Hebron, but Hermon. Yeah, is up near Salt Lake. The bottom where it touches the Red Sea wouldn't even be i mean what would that be it's not um like cedar city or something yeah yeah cedar city would be over here on the side but yeah but it would be yeah, but, it wouldn't but even, north southwise yeah. north southwise it wouldn't even be to the bottom of the state so it's it's much much smaller and if you're in arizona where i am uh arizona is 14 times bigger so if uh if you were mount Hermon was up a little above flagstaff it wouldn't still even would go down to the border so it's much much smaller country there but in this in this chapter he goes uh, we we kind of get whiplash following jesus's pathway around so here's jerusalem down here in the middle of my map and then off here to the side is the dead sea to the uh, to the east if you're listening and down here is the uh, is the is jordan jordan river and what we figure we think that he was probably baptized right around here so if you're not looking at a map the dead sea right above that the Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea, and it's probably about, I think it's about mm, five miles, maybe six miles. Yeah, it ends up being like a, a 10 to 15 minute drive, but it's not a 60 mile an hour drive. So. No, no, right. Yeah, from the, from the baptismal site to the Dead Sea. So it's not very far off. So if you can picture the Dead Sea in your mind, you probably see a map. Uh, the baptismal site, they're traditional, and there's there's other ideas that could be different places. But let's think about it in, this, in the terms of here. Traditional site is probably maybe six or so miles as the crow flies right from the middle of the Dead Sea. And that's where we, we see him get baptized. So at the end of chapter three, he gets baptized. 
And then I'm going to turn on my, my uh, satellite view. And Jerusalem, again, is to the west of, of where that baptismal site is. And if you can picture that he is in this area and then he goes into the wilderness, there's a traditional place where we think that is. Is this... Uh, well, I mean, maybe here. let's add one one thing that will help them picture what yeah. you're say. So keep in mind that that the Dead Sea is about 13, 1400 feet below sea level. And uh, Jerusalem is a couple thousand feet above sea level. So you've got like 3,500 feet to gain between one and the other. So as we're going into this wilderness, you have to understand that this is a, a, a mountain. It's not like uh, like. I don't know, Mount Rainier kind of mountains, but right. it's a mountainous area. It's like southern Utah, northern Arizona kind of kind of mountains. Um, uh, well, anywhere in Arizona or, or half of Utah, but but there's 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 a lot of gain to be had as uh, elevation gain to be had as you're picturing what Lamar's talking about. So sorry, keep going. Yeah, yeah. So no, perfect. That's great. And then so this canyon it goes through there. And what's the name of that canyon, Kerry? Uh, Wadi Kelt. Wadi Kelt. Okay, there you go. So Wadi is like canyon, basically. Right. Right, or and sometimes a, a dry creek. It's it's kind yeah. of like, it's oh, like uh, a dry creek that's that's filled in, in, in the rainy season gets filled up with a river. But there yeah. are rivers and springs in there. So if you're coming yeah. west from there, there are these canyons here. And if you look, if you were zoomed way out here, and it looks brown and just not very appealing, if you ask me. Um, but that's not really how it is at all times. Uh, we were there in uh, in February, and it was just green as can be. In fact. I'm going to throw this picture up here. That's that same canyon, roughly speaking, in that area. And it's just green. It's, it's like Arizona. Arizona can be like this in March. And then, or, I mean, uh, lower southern Arizona can be green like this. And then later it gets, you know, the sun comes and dries it all out. But um, this is that area that we're looking at. And it was just, it was green and pretty. And it was so much fun. That's my little daughter there looking over this area so anyway and here i want to look at this right here if just so you can picture what this is area like so this is where jesus could have been wandering and yeah, if you it's the traditional the, site where his he's gone the, the, they call it the mount of temptations the the area to commune with god so who knows but this is right. what i picture when yeah. i think of it this is what i picture now if you can look at this i often say that some of the rock there the, the rock formations if you were to take a sponge and cut a sponge in half. That's what it looks like to me. There's so many little crevices and divots and caves everywhere there. Just everywhere you can look in those mountains, there's little caves. And I've got this picture up in here. There's just caves everywhere along these mountains. Everywhere you can look, there's a little cave or a divot or a, a place that, you know, you might have stopped and camped or something like that. And people often do. There's a there's a trek that goes this whole canyon wide. I think it's something like 20-something miles that people trek up here and they think about this. And... Um, so that's this area right here where it's he would have been. Kind of the temptation hike is what some people yes. call it. Not that they're going to be tempted, but to think of this, <laughs> think this of, thing. Yeah, like you do yeah. the Stations of the Cross or something like that. So anyway, that's a really pretty and, area. And this, became, this area became uh, famous for hermits when there was the big hermit movement in early Christianity. Because they said, well, if Jesus went out in this wilderness uh, to commune with God, then, then we will too. And there were so many caves that it just like, the caves were littered with hermits who didn't want to talk to the other hermits they're trying to be alone right so but the <laughs> there's so many caves that it just became like a, a hermit mecca so yeah. uh, they had to be careful to not accidentally be bugging each other in each other's caves but there there are caves <laughs> everywhere yeah you can see I, i've just got this up there's just it's just pockmarked with all caves and some of these caves are 
you know, pretty shallow and some are a little bit deeper, obviously, but there's just so many, this area is just so, um, in the right season, it's very green and, uh, and a really pleasant place to be. We had such a great time this day. It was cloudy and we were, we were hiking along here and there's some rivers and springs through there. So the, the Hebrew word Ein, E-N or E-I-N, it means spring. And there's some great springs there, um, that come through there. And so you can imagine maybe that Jesus might've been just in this area and he might've been, um, just taking a, a nice spot to think and to, to meditate and to, to fast. And, um, anyway, there's, there's a spring, this is I'm but anyway, that's, that's kind of what I picture when I think about this. And this kind of really made it real to me like this. I don't know if Jesus was here exactly, but this could have been the area. And, and a lot of Israel's like, this is not very big, like I mentioned. So the area that we're talking about is, is in this, it would be somewhere in this area. And I could just picture myself. Yeah. I could, I could fast and camp out in one of these little, uh, these little yeah. caves and have a good time. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because, uh, I mean, the further, the closer you get to like, uh, Ein Prat or Mavo, where you were looking at, they're, they're a little higher up and closer to Jerusalem. Right. So you get more springs and a little more green there. And as you lose elevation and get down uh, closer to the Jordan River, it creates what's called a rain shadow. So it's, it's very similar, actually, to the state of Washington, where you, you get clouds coming off the Pacific and, and in this case, coming off the Mediterranean. And they've got lots of moisture and they hit these mountains and they dump a bunch, right? Because you have all those mountains in Washington, dumps a bunch. And then as it gets to the other side and it drops out, the elevation goes way down then no moisture drops. So you get Eastern Washington, not nearly green like Western Washington. Right, right. And it's the same thing here. So you're right on, as you're uh, in this area from Jerusalem down to the Dead Sea, you get transitionally less and less rain and less and less springs, partially as a result of that. And uh, uh, so you, you get fewer and fewer of those green oases like what you were looking at. But there are still some all the way down. I mean, Jericho mm -hmm. is one of those and it's right by the Dead Sea. So right. there, there are still some, but you get browner and browner and fewer and fewer as you go. And it does make me wonder. So I, I often ask myself, so did, did he want to hang out in the more uh, wildernessy part? Or did he want to move up towards Jerusalem and get to one of these springs where it was so nice? And maybe some of both, right? I don't know. Uh, but I, I, like you, I can picture myself like, huh, maybe I'd spend a day or two here communing and then move up a little into this green yeah. area and spend a day or two there and it could so be on. Uh, so it's it's kind of fun to just think about the practicalities of what he would have done as he's trying to just be away from everyone and commune with God so that uh, he can be prepared to start his ministry. Right. And, you know, that you talk about the rain shadow. You can see if you're if you're in Jerusalem, it's it's interesting. If you're standing on the Mount of Olives on Mount Scopus, exactly where the uh, where uh, the Jerusalem Center is right above the the, uh, the BYU Center. Um, you can look over on one side is, is, uh, is Jerusalem proper and, and the, the old city. And it, to me, it feels a lot like a California type of thing, but you can go on that mountain and look yeah, over kind of the like backside. Burbank or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the backside of that drops down into the Judean desert and it's like a totally different landscape just on the top of that hill. Yeah. You can look down yeah. the backside is all brown and, and grazed fields all the way out. Um, and as much, and it's just so it's really interesting. Jerusalem is right on that, on that, uh, that rain shadow. Anyway. Yeah. It does so feel I, like you're, you're looking at Burbank on one side and, uh, you know, Moab, Utah on the other yeah, side. Right? Yeah, it does. Like, what happened here? 
I know the 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 variation landscape is really quite interesting. Anyway, I didn't want to get too far afield on that, but that's that's kind of what I'm picturing here. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's hungered, and then he gets tempted um, by the, the Jesus shows up there. Or I mean, uh, Satan shows up to tempt Jesus, and the tempter came to him and said, "If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made of bread." Now, why is that important, Carrie? So, well, there are a couple things about these temptations. Um, uh, one. I think that we often don't think about, uh, I mean, these are direct challenges. Each one of them begin with the phrase, if, right? right. It's, it's a challenge. Like, are you really who you say you are? And if so, you got to prove it to me or I'm not going to believe it. Right. And that's, that's always a problem. I think we talked when we were doing the old Testament about signs where you say, okay, I, I believe, but I want to know, is this the right thing to do? Or what should I do? Or are you still with me? That's one thing. Uh, and that's not, doesn't seem to be a problem with God, but we get pretty consistently. If you say, I'm not believing until you show me a sign. That God doesn't like that so much. And um, and this is that kind of a thing. All right. If I don't, I'm not going to believe you're the son of God and no one else is going to believe that you're the son of God unless you'll do this thing. And God's not going to work that way. Right. If faith precedes the miracle uh, and so on, when when people see a miracle and then believe it's always short lived, that never really works. And so this challenge is something that the Savior is not going to participate in. He's just going to have no part of it. And you'll note that each one of those, the, the temptations start with this, if you really are. Mm -hmm. right? And, and so he's, he's, he's going to have no part of that. Um, but I think it's also um, interesting that he, I mean, he immediately appeals to the mortal side of the savior that he's got to be hungry, tired, weak, and, and everything right. else. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, this is, if you wanted to to hit me in a weak moment, it's when I'm I've been fasting and I'm hungry and tired, and I mean that that's when I'm at my weakest. That's that, that's when you can hit me hard. So uh, that's exactly what Satan does. Yeah, and he starts. So he starts. I've heard other people compare these ones to certain like bread appealing to the uh, the the desire for food or for overeating, yeah. all these different things. The, the pleasures of the flesh. The pleasures yeah. of the flesh, right? So you can you can apply it to those things. But it's just interesting. He's he's tired. It says afterwards he was hungered and and uh, he says, "Come and make these stones, you know, make these stones into bread." And yeah. here's what I think is interesting about this section. Jesus answers and said, "Is written, man shall not live by bread alone." So this is Jesus here, and he quotes scripture. He quotes yeah. scripture to refute the adversary. Uh, he has authority on his own, but that's not what he, he quotes. He quotes the scripture, and he does that for all of these temptations. He quotes the scripture in response to that. So what's instructive about that to me is that um, Jesus was armed and ready with these things already in his quiver, uh, 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 his learning from the scripture. So how do we refute the temptations of the world? Well, have the scriptures. We used to do in, in, in seminary, the scripture mastery, right? And hopefully we're, we're doing some sort of scripture memorization or or at least knowing where the references are or at least having that in your in your mind yeah the phrase you know, or something the yeah. phrase yeah right use the scriptures to answer your questions or temptations or thoughts or whatever use the scriptures rely on the scriptures to be there for you when things come up you know to 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 make the de definite or the to delineate to make that line this is this is a good principle this is not a good principle yeah yeah, I, I, it's a ringing endorsement of the power of the scriptures in our life and their ability to help us if, when we're being hit, right? Uh, the, the, the scriptures are 
where we can find that power. The scriptures are real and powerful. You could almost right. say. Yeah. Yeah. I, could, uh, I you know, Jesus, I'm sh- I, I think Jesus could have just said, hey, you know who I am and don't mess with me or whatever. But he says, nah, he, he refutes it with the scripture. It is written, man shall live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Which, by the way, I used to use this uh, this one, this uh, Matthew 4, 4 quite a bit when people would say, oh, we've already have a Bible. Why do we need a, we don't need more Bible, we need more scripture. And I'd say, well, aren't you supposed to live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God? So if God has more things to say, why would you want to tell him to not tell you that? Don't tell me that. <laughs> I don't need that. I need more <laughs> instructions. <laughs> so anyway, a good right. point. Anyway, I used to think about that all the time. Okay, then the devil. Next one in verse five. Then the devil taketh them up to the holy city. And again, Joseph Smith says uh, his translation says that the spirit takes them up there, and and then Jesus and then uh, Satan appears to him. But the devil take them to the holy city, and seeketh them on a, uh, and setteth them on a pinnacle of the temple. Well. Okay, so he's in there, and then he said, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and their hands, uh, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. So he wants them to, like, hey, you know what would be a great thing? Why don't you just jump off here and land nicely, right in front of everybody? People would believe you then, right? That'd be a good sign. Like, hey, look at me. I'm just, angels are catching me. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but uh, that would, I mean, I get people's attention. So why doesn't Jesus do that? Well, in verse seven, he says, written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So what's he doing? He's not in there for the for the glory of it, not trying to attract people this way. He wants to attract people by the message, not by some big miracle or being some sort of magician or wizard or whatever. He's trying to do this by uh, in the right way. So that he gives a pretty short answer there. And here's another and, one. And again, it's that challenge to, are you really who you say you are? And this time, not just to prove it to me, you can prove it to everybody, but in that way that doesn't really inculcate faith, right? That, that we were talking about before. It, it's it, the sign preceding faith doesn't work, and so it, it, it's it's just such a an interesting challenge. Oh, you're right, and we should mention that actually um, uh, Satan here is quoting scripture back to him now. Yeah, yeah. He's saying uh, it, it's 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 written that uh, that the angel will bear you up, and that is in. I'm trying to remember where that uh, that's actually. It's probably in Psalms. But let's I think see. it's in Psalms. I'm almost positive it's in Psalms or Proverbs. It's Psalms. It's got to be Psalms. But I can't remember what actual verse he's, he's referring to. But he says, if there'll be a son of God, it's written, for it is written, he shall have give our uh, angels charge concerning thee. So he's trying to bait him into like, well, if you're going to use the scripture, I'll use the scripture. And he throws it in there and he's like, ah, don't tempt your Lord thy God. So he shuts that down pretty quickly. Now we're moving on to verse eight. And again, the devil taketh them. To an exceedingly high mountain and showeth them all the kingdoms of the world and the glories of them and said unto him all these things will i give thee now this is pretty interesting uh, here we have jehovah who's the maker of all these things yeah and, and satan's going to give them to him yeah. uh what <laughs> yeah how's that work but okay but i mean uh, oftentimes you know they say satan's the you know the ruler of this world because he's given charge or temptation things like this so Okay. Well, this is typical Satan. Oh, in fact, that yeah, we should share. But this is this is typical Satan to promise you all sorts of things that he actually isn't capable of delivering, right? So that that strikes me. That there's this is an interesting insight. Um, President Nelson's talk this last uh, general conference, the one on the Sunday morning session, where he talks about trying to find real peace and rest, mm-hmm. and he says you can only find that from God. Satan 
will tell you you can find peace in, or the world, he says, will tell you, but that's the same thing as Satan. Same, uh, yeah, correct. You can find peace and rest in these things, but they're not capable of delivering it. And and now that we're saying that, so I, I think I can remember what the four things are that he said, because we've talked about them in my class so often, because it, it was interesting how often they came up. We're like, oh, that's what President Nelson said. So he says, um, uh, power, possessions, pleasure of the f- flesh, and popularity are the things that the world tells you will give you rest and make you happy but they can't make you happy. So now think about these temptations we're just looking about. Pleasures of the flesh, right? right? That's the first temptation. Uh, popularity. And that second one, jump off right here in front of everyone, look, and everyone will see yeah, that God that does. that sure make you popular, right? And and now, oh no, he said power, sorry, power, possessions, popularity, and para- pleasures of the flesh are the four things that he said. So now we've got the possessions one. Right. Is the next one, right? Uh, so it's the same temptation that Satan's given or the same ones that that President Nelson just told us the world is throwing at us and President Nelson made it very clear the the, Satan and the world are not capable of delivering what you're really looking for with these things and that's exactly what we see here like Satan saying I can give you all this stuff to the one who actually created all this stuff and really can give you all this stuff and knows all this stuff doesn't actually do anything for you. It doesn't make you happy. It doesn't give you rest. It doesn't do anything for you. And so, of course, Christ isn't going to fall for it. But I, I'm just, wow, I'm seeing this kind of in a new light here as we're talking that uh, how much it, it ties in with this happening in our lives today and how much we need to recognize they really can't give you what you need and what you're looking for. Well, and this is the thing we've talked about before, that, that the scriptures Yes, we can. Now we have iPhones and we can split the atom and fly to the moon. Yes, but basic human nature has not changed. Yeah, it doesn't change. It's still you're still on the same journey that everybody else has been through your 60, 70, 80, 90 years. You're still going to be doing the same thing. Jesus was tempted in the same way with the, the same thing you said possessions, pride, uh, or I uh, wouldn't say the name of the four again. So it's what is it? Uh, possessions. Power, Popul- pleasures of the f- flesh, and popularity. Popularity, so four right. P's. Yeah. So all those four P's are contained in these three, um, in these three uh, temptations that that the that Satan tries to throw at the at the Lord uh, at the Jesus. And so yeah, so that's a great. It is a great insight that um, there you go. Jesus was subjected to these same kind of things. And again, these might be there might be more to them. We were getting the condensed version probably. Maybe yeah. there was more of a conversation. There was more things to it, but we get the idea that that uh, that mm-hmm. Saint or that Saint tried to, to tempt uh, Jesus for the same things that he tries to tempt us with on a daily basis. So, and it's interesting that last one. What does Satan ask for? Uh, I'll give you all this stuff if you'll worship me. Right. Oh, that's worship. Really that's a key thing, thing that that uh, President Nelson was talking about. Like we're worshiping the world we're letting the world prevail more than god or worshiping the world if we are turning to these things to give us peace and rest rather than turning to really worshiping god to get peace and rest yeah so how do we worship how do we worship these things well we've talked about this before that you know i, I can't remember what uh, version it was on or, or which chapter we were talking about but the things you spend your time energy focus yeah. and you know in and money oftentimes are the things which you value the most. What you put your money, time, your time, energy, and focus into is what you value. So, is that a car? Is it a? Is it a? Um, is it material possessions? Is it? 
clothes, is it watches, is it jewelry, and those kind of things. But what, what people think of you, that popularity idea or right. whatever else. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. I mean, the Lord says that if you seek first the kingdom of God, all the other things will be added to you. So you can have all those things. Um, but what are you worshiping? What are you putting first? So yeah, the question is why? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing it? Yeah. Are you going for the popularity and the and the and all that stuff that's related with pride? So so that's a that's a great. I'm glad you connected that with uh with President Nelson's uh President Nelson's talk. So we're we're in the same thing. So Get your scriptures and have those ready, just like uh, Jesus did, to be able to refute those things. Um, and uh, so, then uh, worship the Lord that got it. And all, oh, so Jesus reports or re replies back. Then Jesus said to him, "Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve." So there again, um, he he uses the scripture to refute them. It is written, and uh, we can find several different places of that. All right, so then the devil leaves them, and uh, and so he, he, the devil departs from him. And now Jesus goes into another thing. So we have uh, he hears about John being cast into prison, and uh, and then he departed from Galilee. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pop my map up here real quick again, and I, we'll, again we'll try to describe it for those who aren't just listening. So Jerusalem um, is down here and by the Dead Sea, and so. If you could picture that the, the Sea of Galilee and or the Lake of Galilee and the Dead Sea are pretty much straight north and south of each other. And Jerusalem, the same thing. Jerusalem's about the top of the Dead Sea and straight up above that would be Nazareth. So Nazareth is right in here. Yeah, almost about the same uh, north south longitude as the, the southern tip of the Sea of Galilee. Exactly right. And it's about it's a little more than halfway, but it's about halfway between. Uh, Nazareth is about halfway between the Mediterranean and the Sea of Galilee. So if you can picture those in your mind, even your little rudimentary maps in your uh, in your Bible, um, that'll give you the idea of, of kind of where Nazareth is. So he was just down here in Jerusalem. Now, we don't know what the time frame is between here. He was all the way out here in, in near Jericho, somewhere there. He went from there to Jerusalem, up to that canyon, maybe somewhere there. And then from here, he ends up back in Galilee, but he's not there for long because it says he leaves there. Now, when Jesus heard that John was cast to prison, he departed into Galilee. Okay, so, but then the next verse says, in leaving Nazareth, so Galilee is actually to the west, you know, maybe. Yeah. Well, there, uh, there's 10, probably a, a political uh, um, designation going on here. So uh, the, the area is divided into different many kingdoms that are, are ruled by different people, right? Like so North, Jerusalem South. is in an area that that, um, that whole region is called by the romans judea mm -hmm. right that whole area around the sea of galilee including nazareth is called galilee galilee like, like we'd say north and south kingdom so yeah yeah that's exactly right so so and then you have decapolis which we'll mention in a minute and some other areas in between there samaria decapolis or in between galilee and judea so when it says he goes to Galilee, it's talking about going to that area. But it would seem that the first place he goes in that area is Nazareth. But then he leaves Nazareth to go over to the actual Sea of Galilee is what I think it's saying. Yeah, that's right. Because, yeah, because Capernaum is right on the top. So so yeah. he, he, here in Jerusalem down here and then he goes, it's I think uh, Nazareth is probably well, driving is a lot slower. But as the crow flies, we're talking about probably 60 miles or so. I think something like that, 50, 60 miles north of Jerusalem, you'd run into Nazareth there, and then he quickly leaves Nazareth, and he starts, he decides to make his home, it says here, uh, in Capernaum, 
which is right here on the top of the Sea of Galilee. And yeah, that northern edge. Northern edge right there at the top of, of the sea or the Lake of Galilee. And uh, he makes a home there. And this is where he decides to start his ministry. And this area to me, um, if there was ever a surfer or something like that, he would probably have lived in Capernaum. Not surfer, yeah. like like wave surfer, but just someone, maybe a, maybe a, a, a sailboarder. They would live in Capernaum because this area is so pretty and it's nice and breezy and um, it's very uh, it it's very green and and pleasant to me. In fact, yeah. I have a couple of pictures here. This is a uh, this is right there by Capernaum. This is just some of the ruins there. They didn't really find uh, Capernaum. Um, they didn't find it till about 20, 30 years ago. They didn't really know where it was. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I there were a couple that. pillars sticking up, and they thought about it, but they didn't really do any excavations. At least, unless you know better, but that's what I learned when I was there. Yeah, they had yeah, well, I, I, excavations. So probably twenty, thirty years ago, when you were there, a few years ago, I would guess, because I think it's a little longer now. But, um, but yeah, yeah, it's not that. Yeah, you're long right. Ago. Yeah, but it wasn't very long ago. You're right. It was a few years ago that I was there. But, but anyway, that's right. So it had only been recently discovered. Let's say it's in the last less than forty years for sure. That, that we know that this was uncovered. I mean, they knew the kind of the general area, but they've uncovered some rubble there. But you can see that there's some palm trees there. And and um, I don't know if I have any of the lake right there, but there's some of the, this is the Capernaum, and this would have been the synagogue right here that Jesus would have announced his uh, ministry. Or, well, it, it's a, a this, little bit later one, but we think probably. Right, it's built on the, it's probably 400, There's there's probably four different layers here, they think of synagogue it was built on top of a synagogue it was built on top of synagogue so this would have been probably 400 years later than than where jesus would have been but it would have been in the same spot but it was pretty close capernaum's not a huge city it's a pretty small yeah. small setup but anyway this would would have been the area and that's so anyway it's a very pretty and beautiful area um and this they think is simon peter's house they built a little church above it they don't want to mess with the ruins they built a church above it on pillars so yeah, it seems like cool. it looks like a spaceship that it's kind of cool and there's i don't know why this is thing but there was a big mosaic of a peacock which i thought was really interesting yeah peacock becomes a pretty strong christian theme because of the, its ability to suddenly display its glory uh, uh and and so on so uh there's a lot of some places associated with that and it can still get like incredibly hot at capernaum but oh, it's yeah. greener than most places and you can get in the lake to cool off right right as you're talking no, again, about like traveling and... that he did, it reminds me, I mean, if we're going to talk about things that made the scriptures real, the the first time I went to teach in Jerusalem in the first semester, and I brought my family and my oldest son was uh, 13 um, and uh, he came with us uh, and all the students on that first trip to Jerusalem and we went all around and uh, and then, I mean, up to Galilee, sorry, we lived in Jerusalem. So we went up to Galilee and went all around and then back down. And as we were going down, I was kind of asking the students, so what are your impressions? What have you learned? And they all, you know, had different things to say. My son said, I had no idea Jesus walked so much. And because, <laughs> you know, we went all these different places, went and we're on a bus and it takes a long time. He's like, I had no idea he spent so much time walking and going places. And it's absolutely true. This guy walked miles and miles and miles and oh, miles. Up and down, up and down. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, yeah, it's it's really, uh, I guess that's kind of what I was pointing out here is like, he's down here by the baptismal yeah. site where we think it is, we probably was because the, the, the geography makes sense. Then he's up in this canyon, probably somewhere in that area. Then he's over in Jerusalem. Now he's back up in Nazareth and then he's back. Now he's back over to Galilee. So 
he's really putting on the miles here. He's yeah. he's moving around. And, yeah, and that's um, what I was I I was picking up on that point, just trying to illustrate by what my thirteen year old has learned. Exactly, you're he's yeah. exactly right. You're really getting to move on. And as you so, if you come up here, here's Capernaum, and as you come by there, you go through a little town called Tiberius down here. And yeah. uh, here's a, a quick shot. If you're not watching, that's um this the shot does not do it justice, but this was the Sea of Galilee with the full moon coming over the top at night, and it was really something beautiful i just was sitting there yeah. out of, looking out of the hotel looking at that and thinking you know if i could just see a few less city lights and more little fire lights yeah. it might have been like this and this anyway it's i don't know point is, go I'm ahead sorry, go ahead go ahead no i said it just it, it was it is such a really pretty area it is yeah. so fun and yeah for sure it gets hot and it has all those things that are associated with deserts and things but it really is a pretty and serene area and the lake is really beautiful. And you can just picture these fishermen out there. You know, we got uh, Simon and all these guys that are just fishing and they're mending their nets and they're up at the top of Capernaum and, uh, and Jesus comes by and is like, Hey, you should follow me. And yeah, they do. So anyway, what, were you, what was your point? Right. And I, I was just going to agree with you. Like the, the sun rises are beautiful. The sun sets are beautiful. The moon over it is beautiful. I don't know anyone who, has spent some time at Galilee that doesn't, by, by the time they're done, say, oh, I get why Jesus liked it up here. I get why he spent a lot of time up here. It's it's a, a beautiful, peaceful, calm setting. I feel like I can commune with God there. It's 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 just a wonderful place. Yeah, it, it, it's quite temperate. It's when you're right near near the or the not the ocean, but the uh, right near the, the the lake. It's pretty temperate there. Like I said, you can you can dip your feet in and, and cool off. So, hey. If you're going to start your ministry and you got a lot of things to go, start in a nice place, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's great. And a place so, that's a different atmosphere then and now than Jerusalem. Uh, it, Jerusalem had too much going on in terms of politics then and now uh, for him to find as ready an audience that, as he was going to find in Galilee, where the people were just ready to listen more because they weren't so bent on their own agendas, right? So they're they're ready to listen a little bit more. There certainly is in the Galilee area. It's a hotbed for um, uh, kind of wanting to rise up against Rome. Uh, right. But that's not I mean, that, that's kind of general. But mostly it's it's there are some people that are really into this. For the most part, the people there were just trying to get by. And uh, so they're they're a little less uh, agenda driven than they are in Jerusalem and a little more ready to listen to the Savior. Yeah, I think that's perfect. It it does give it is true that i remember talking to one of the the guides that uh, i talked to before i went there and he said oh don't miss uh, we were trying to figure out what we could do in a day and he's like you can't miss going to what in this in the scriptures here is called galilee but northern the northern part of israel it is a much more relaxed atmosphere down by tel aviv and, and jerusalem it's busy and it's bustling in the and the jerusalem's got a lot of things going the old city very fun things to see up north by around Galilee and Tiberias and all those ones, it's much more relaxed. It's, it's, uh, it's a much more relaxed atmosphere. And you, you get on, there's little boats you can take and cruise around there. And, and um, uh, it, yeah, so it's, it's a much nicer feel. So anyway, this is, I, I don't want to get too much into a travel log, except for the fact that since this is the scriptures are real, this is how, and I'm not saying you have to travel to Israel to, to get a feel for Jesus. Hopefully with podcasts like this, and I'm a big fan of, of Google Earth tripping. Get on, get on Google Earth and go on and, and drive. You can drive the roads, almost all the roads in there. You can drive on and get the pictures and 
And um, there's some great podcasts that one I've mentioned before, Rhoda and it's um, Rhoda and Surge in Israel. Um, they have a, a whole bunch of travel logs where they go and they visit the places where Jesus went and where uh, the battle of uh, Goliath was, that kind of thing. And you can really get a feel and a sense of what it looks like and what it feels like there and make that real to you. And the point of all of this is these are real people. They're real people and they did real things. And it's not just stories and it's not just mythology. It's actually real people applying these principles. And and as Jesus goes and calls his 12 apostles or, well, not all 12 yet, but at least a few that start to follow him there. This is how it was. And they were real fishermen and they were fishing in these waters right there. This is a real place. So it's not it's not all mythology and made up stuff. And, and maybe I'll throw one other resource out there, and I'll try and remember to put this in the show notes. But um, you can go to scriptures.byu.edu/slash/map/script. So there's no T on the end. M A P S C R I P. So scriptures.byu.edu/slash/map/script, and you'll see uh, uh, like chapters pull up on the side, and you can go to Matthew whatever, and um, uh, you just choose any chapter, and once you hit on it. All of the sites that are mentioned in that chapter will pull up Google Earth and it will just pin all the sites that are mentioned in that chapter so that you can automatically see everywhere that is being talked about. So uh, scriptures.byu.edu. Okay. Scriptures.byu.edu. And then um, uh, then slash map script. And it, and it just kind of automatically shows. So it's a great way if you just want to see where the savior is going around. I do this with my students uh, in class when I teach New Testament. I, at the beginning of each day, I say, let's just get the geography. Uh, no, not a T on the end of script. It's script, map script. script. No T on the end. Okay, all right. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, so now, now you can see if you're watching the oh, this is, yeah. like Matthew, just click on Matthew and then four and, and it will show you the different places. Um, uh, and um I, I just like when I'm reading something, I, I like to look at the geography and see, okay, where is it that uh, he's going? Well, this would have made it a whole lot easier. I went through Google Maps. I had several versions of it open so I could pop in and around, and this would have done it for me. So great. Yeah. Take, take advantage of these resources. These are excellent resources to get you into the scriptures and get you to feel that these are real places. And real. You put yourself in these people's shoes or sandals. Yeah, there you go. I like that. <laughs> but this is perfect because this is exactly what I was showing. Look, here Jerusalem, then up to Nazareth, then over here to Capernaum and Jordan. This could be about so that, that. That's where they've chosen as the baptismal site on this one, right? There's some place we don't know where they are. And they it, just choose we know it was in the Jordan, so it would have been between here and here. And and yeah. the, the the miles here is maybe 30, 30 ish miles is what we're talking yeah. about. So somewhere along there in that 30 mile strip, that's fine. But anyway, this would tell you all the things that you pop around. This is a fantastic sheet, Carrie. I didn't even know this existed. And uh, I'm going to use it all the time now. Yeah, it's fun stuff. So, And hopefully it makes the scriptures more real for you. And, and the stories of Jesus come alive. Like we, we sing this song, Tell Me the Stories of Jesus. And that's what we're doing here. And hopefully we make them really become real to us. That's true. And before we finish out, let's let's ask real quick here. Or let's, let's finish up by just by saying, at this point, Jesus comes and he does some things. He, he we talk about the miracles that that uh, that. Well, first of all, we should say this. We didn't we didn't even get through half of this. We were talking about the what the place looked like. But Jesus goes and he he gets Simon and Andrew, his brother. He collects them and so they come follow. And then the James two brothers, uh, two brothers James and John. He he gets them also. And 
From there, he begins his ministry. And then he goes around Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel. This is verse 23. And the kingdom and the healing and healing all manner of sickness and manner of disease. So here he does end up giving the signs, you know, yeah. doing a miracle. He does miracles, but he does it not because the world tells him to do it or Satan tells him to do it. Like, hey, impress these people by jumping off a tower. Now he does what that doesn't help anybody. It just makes you popular, maybe. Hey, this guy can jump off a tower. But now he's in he's in Galilee and he's teaching and he's doing things that matter. He's healing the people of their sickness and all manner of disease. And he's going through there, casting out devils and helping those people who have need uh, in verse 24 and 25. So that's where he begins his ministry. And, um, and, uh, and then from here on out, we're going to see him start to, to bring his, his apostles together and, and formalize and then the sermons and things. But this is the beginning of where Jesus, the adult now, um, takes control of his ministry and and uh, starts spreading it to the rest of the world. It's exciting stuff. Well, great, Carrie. It's been great to be with you. Um, I hope that uh, that those listening and watching were able to get something out of this. And and uh, if you did, uh, please share this with someone else. Help them to uh, to make the scriptures real and and feel free to to like and subscribe on the platforms that you're on. Send us a question, and maybe maybe one day we'll get a, a question and answer period where uh, Carrie can answer some questions. If you have ones that come up fun. often, that'd be fun to, to just do those kind of things and and uh, utilize all your knowledge and things that you've gained over the years that, to uh, to help answer some questions if, if there's something we can answer. That'd be fun. Thank well, you. Carrie, thanks so much for your time and uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on The Scriptures Are Real.